Well, let's welcome to the Soybean Board Market Wrap-Up here on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. We hope she's recovering well. And a happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's going to be an interesting show, I'm sure, as we recap what is somewhat of a shortened trading week as well, though, looking out to those macro versus micro market fundamentals, the technicals versus the cash-driven side of the market, and how it all ties together and how it may work within your marketing plan. Of course, thank you to Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff for continuing to support the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Commodity Market Wrap-Up. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. And welcome back as we kick off the conversation to highly, highly anticipated analysts joining us again. We have Kyle Bumstead with Allendale along with Darren Fry and Water Street. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being able to talk to us. I know it's been a very busy week, and it's really an interesting week of trade. So Kyle and Darren, I want to get both your thoughts. We'll start with Kyle, though. Uh, we have no trade on Thursday, half a trade of a day on Friday. What is the market mentality? What's the trader's mentality going into a week like this? Well, today, Clay, it kind of felt like everybody was just kind of shoring up position here about mid-morning, and then the volume started to kind of decrease and, and just kind of drop off, and that's to be expected about this time of year. Uh, soybeans, uh, you know, they were up a little bit today. Corn uh, got north of that 660 round number there, so I'd be looking for a challenge of maybe uh, 670, but uh, mostly open interest. We have option expiration here on Friday for the December options, both corn and wheat and soybeans. So uh, we, we will see some movement here on Friday. 650 has a lot of the open interest on the put and call side of things. So I do think we there's a really good chance we could gravitate towards there uh, either late this week, first part of next week. And soybeans have just been kind of moving sideways here in a channel for the last couple of months. And uh, we're sitting here kind of in a wedge between 1398 and a half and that uh, 1460 area. Darren, what's your take on this current market, especially given just the interesting hours that we have a trade this week? Yeah, this is a week that's always very thin and a lot of volatility can happen. As Kyle said, option expirations on Friday, and sometimes that Friday after Thanksgiving can be uh, a pretty volatile day with big moves because a lot of people have taken the week off. But I think a couple of things here to watch is just what happens in Ukraine. You know, they've had a lot of like carpet bombing here from missiles coming in and they've knocked their infrastructure out. I was reading today how uh, even though the corridor is open, it's going to be tough for them to load out anything if they don't have electricity back up and running at those ports. And so you got that. You got the trucker strike going on in Brazil. And I do think there's some opportunities here, maybe technically, to take the market a little bit higher, especially with the Fed minutes out today, just talking about how a lot of them are thinking we should pause a little bit or maybe slow this rate hike thing down. And so that might even give us a lift coming into Friday. Not a bad close for today. Well, that's exciting to hear then. And Darren, let's stick with it. Let's look at the macro market and the technical picture before Kyle when we talk a little bit more on the cash side of this trade. But in the grain complex specifically, we're going now, we're into the almost to the last month of 2022. We're now starting to think Q1, Q2 of 2023. Is there a seasonality trend to this or is there a technical push to try and reinvigorate these bulls to end us on a high note? Well, you know, the funds still have, I think, pretty decent long positions here as we enter the end of the year. Kind of surprising uh, at the lofty levels we're at as well. 
But, you know, I, I do think that as we enter the end of the year, we might have another push. Kyle alluded to 670, 680, maybe up in that area. And I think we can get one more pop. I'm not bullish long term. I think any type of dislocation or shock to the market could send us higher. But I think it'll be short lived. I'm looking down in most of these markets, looking to sell rallies into the end of the year. And maybe we can get that uh, with a little Brazilian weather scare or no rain in Argentina, something that gives the market a lift. But I think with the headwinds that we're fighting in the macro picture, I just don't think 23 is going to have a hard, I mean, an easy time going higher. I think it'll be very difficult to go higher. And I think the path of least resistance will be lower as we enter the first and second quarter of 23. Kyle, we flip over that cash side of this grain complex. Is it still the story of we have grain in certain areas of the country, but where it isn't, and that's where it's needed the most, we're going to continue to see this strong basis move into the first of the year. Well, that's right. And uh, we, we have seen a strengthening basis here in the Western Corn Belt. I do know in the Eastern Corn Belt, there's a, there's a, you know, when we talk about headlines, the, the rail worker short, uh, you know, strike that could be potentially happening. A lot of corn's getting railed out here to the Western Corn Belt right now to get to these feed yards and places where we don't have the corn out here. So basis this year uh, running about 20 cents better than it was a year ago at this time. That's based off the national cash basis index for both corn and soybeans. So uh, what I do think, uh, you know, longer term fundamentally, uh, we still have a bullish picture out there based on, you know, December corn and March corn are trading higher than July corn. So longer term, it says I want to own this market based off the fundamentals. Now, like Darren said, the macro picture here, that's going to be a big driver here. And also South America, he hinted at that, but South American weather picture. And I think when we look over here at the March to May bean spread, and we're sitting here at about six to six and three quarter cents commercial carry, that's about 20% of full commercial carry. And I think that that's still pretty bullish here when you look at the, at the general realm of things here. So the commercials are still thinking that, yeah, we've got some issues out there. But like Darren said, it could face some headwinds from the macro picture easily. So there's definitely a lot to consider when we look here on the grain side. Now let's turn the page. Let's go over to livestock. We'll head back over to Darren with Water Street. And Darren, as we're coming in here, it looks like we're seeing a discrepancy. The cash market's wanting to move higher this week for fed cattle, live cattle feeders. They're under pressure. I uh, know somewhat seasonality. There's some pressure for cattle to go lower here, but cattle have always been on the backside through the inflation story when grains were able to move sharply higher. Is 20, late 2022, early 2023, a time frame that we should see a little bit more bullish momentum from a money flow standpoint for the livestock? Well, you know, the charts would say that we should push higher, but talking with Kyle ahead of going on air here, um, you know, if the cash market can't support that, then you're not going to take cattle higher. So cash is king and uh, price action will tell you. But I'm still kind of looking up here, especially in the Ds and in the Feb. But I was looking for tighter numbers. And if those don't show up till later, then we won't have a rally until those tighter numbers do show up. So I'd refer back to Kyle for more on that. And Kyle, exactly. That's where we go. Looks like the Packers may be finally having to show a little bit of their whole card as this week they're buying early and they're buying aggressively. That's right. Buy early, buy often. Uh, 155 was traded quite a bit down there in the southern plains here. Kansas and Texas trade a lot of cattle at 155. We heard bids of 155 coming from some Kansas regionals yesterday, but today the majors were paying 154 in Texas early, and then all of a sudden we're up to 155, and then uh, boom, we were hitting 156 bids in Nebraska, and there was all of a sudden 157, 158 trading. So that looks good. However, we did start to see 
what could be unfolding as a short-term seasonal here uh, before, like Darren said, we get a bounce into the end of the year. Seasonally, this is the week here. We do see a decent rally here in that February live cattle contract. And then we do start to see a sell-off here once we get through the Thanksgiving holiday. Now, I know it was just a midday number here, but midday box beef choice was down $3.22. And it would not surprise me that with these packer margins, the way that they're uh, going, uh, you know, higher cash and lower boxes, it would not surprise me here one bit if they come in here next week and try to break this market back a little bit and kind of run that seasonal until about the second week of uh, December until they figure out, wow, we really need to get some cattle bought. But what also bothers me too there is uh, the macro picture, as Darren pointed out with the grains, I think there could be some macro headwinds here for the live cattle and the feeder cattle complex here as well too. Cattle coming out right now have had some pretty decent closeouts, but these cattle that are going into the yards really need to be watched in case that June does get back up there to that 160 area, which I think some of the charts show. Darren could maybe tell you a little bit more about the charts there. But uh, I, I really think that some of these cattle going in, you really need to watch that bottom dollar for, for what they're bringing as feeders and going in the yard, the price of everything, interest rates, everything that goes into uh, making that steer heifer get to the plate. There's a lot that goes into it, and I really think it needs to be watched closely. And that sounds like we're hearing a little bit more conversation on where is our break even? Where do we need to be managing our risk on the farm? So, man, as we come in here into our kind of final round of questions, uh, that kind of brings me key into mind. Looking into 2023, where does the farmer rancher mindset need to be? Do we need to be on managing the price risk or do we need to be more concerned on our inputs and just trying to moder or moderate, moderate, uh, moderate our overall risk coming here into the next growing season? And... Uh, I'll kind of leave it to whoever wants to answer first. Um, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I, I think you really have to manage the price side of corn and soybeans, especially with Brazil coming on with appears to be a large crop. Again, um, when Kyle was talking about basis and spreads are even or inverted, that is true. And that's bullish. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to be enough given where we are in price uh, with the macro picture. And that's probably why I'm bearish, but the markets are sending some mixed signals and uh, that's what makes it challenging. But I think the inputs are going to stay pretty high as we enter 23. Not sure a guy can do a lot about that, but I think you got to manage the price side of your output, which is your corn, beans, and wheat. And I any rebuttal or anything? Yeah, I'd say the same thing for cattle. You know, if we can get, if we got some decent breaks here in this corn market, then it might be getting getting some longer term coverage out there, at least the next summer, some things like that. And also, you know, if we do get back up here north of this 56 to 60 area in this June and August contract, it really needs to be looked at. You know, nothing says you have to take a marginal position out there in the market. You could be just looking at some puts and at least you can throw that your pillow and sleep at night or say, hey, you know, Mr. Banker, Mrs. Banker, financial institution, I've got this level of protection here. This is how I'm going to, if all else fails, this is where I'm going to be at. So I do think that both the input side, as far as interest goes, I know, we, you know, Darren uh, talked to her about the macro picture and the Fed and stuff like that, about maybe slowing down their uh, rate hikes. But I really think if you can get that locked into, that's going to be a big expense on both the corn beans and the livestock sector of things this year. It always amazes me just how quickly we can move through this program. We have two outstanding uh, commodity traders and analysts coming on with us again. We have Cal Bumstead with Allendale along with Darren Fry and Water Street. And thank you so much for providing us perspective and a very happy Thanksgiving on a happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. Uh, whether you're watching this a little later on in the week, still a lot of important things to come in this market. We'll keep you updated. We'll keep you informed here with future programs, letting you know 
market headlines and moves. But do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. And as always, a big thank you to the Nebraska Soybean Board and their checkoff dollars for continuing to support the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Commodity Market Roundup.